Hi, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Roar. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Matt Filipovitz. Matt, what's going on? Bill, I went to the grocery store at like 8.45 this morning. I was one of the first people there because I am making spinach artichoke dip. I'm hosting New Year's this year. Mm. Uh, and I had a great time going that early. I, I love the grocery store like more than I love doing most activities. So it was good to get out there and have it be me and like six old ladies. I had, I had a great time and I got what I needed. I, when I wake up early enough to go to the grocery store that early, I love it. I, I actually don't love going to the grocery store because I just want to get in and I want to go out. I don't want to like meander and go like, Ooh, I haven't had pop tarts in a while. I haven't had this in a while and just like grab things and grab things. And that's usually easier when there aren't a lot of people in it. But yeah, if you need a, the best time to go to the grocery store is either way early in the morning or like an hour before they close. And you're just yep. like, you're Nick Singleton your way all the way through the aisles. It's great. Yeah. I went, I went again. I went last night also, but like last night's trip was like for like food for me. Today's trip was like purely business, just getting things for the dip. So it was, it was wildly mm. efficient for a, for a Friday. It feels like a Saturday morning. Well, uh, it's a Friday feels like a Saturday, just like the Rose Bowl feels like it's going to happen on January 2nd this year, because it is going to happen on January 2nd this year. And of course, the Penn State Nittany Lions are playing in the granddaddy of the, well, let's see if I can do a Keith Jackson one, the granddaddy of them all uh, against the Utah, good. thank you, against the Utah Utes uh, in this game, it should be an Awesome, awesome football game. Uh, Utah, of course, the champions of the Pac-12, having beaten USC in that game 47-24. to Really, really impressive performance like them. Put them in a position where they were eighth going into the final college football playoff rankings. Penn State, of course, is going to be is ranked 11th. Uh, two teams that match up very evenly. Utah, ninth in SP plus, uh, Penn State, sorry, ninth in SP plus, 31st offensively, 11th defensively, 75th on special teams. Utah, 10th in SP plus, 22nd offensively, 21st defensively, 72nd in special teams. And Matt, we're going to get into um, the talk about the game, Penn State's offense against Utah's defense and vice versa, the players we're watching, blah, 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 blah. But I just want to start by talking about how we're feeling about being here because Penn State has not been to the Rose Bowl since 2000 and 2016 season, 2017 Rose Bowl, whatever you want to say. We came into this season wondering if this was going to be an eight or nine win Penn State team. It feels like they're going into this game with house money, but it also feels like, you know, with the house money approach that can lead to, all right, fine, Penn State loses, whatever. It feels like this is a real opportunity to send off a bunch of players who have given so much to this program, bouncing back from the last couple of years and having a springboard to 2023 and 2024. So with all that in mind, how are we feeling as uh, we're getting ready for Penn State to play? And again, the granddaddy of them all. I, I'm really excited. I thought this was going to be a, a nine and three season. I thought they lose a dumb one. Like it feels like they always do. And, and they didn't. And that's a, that's a testament to James Franklin, Sean Clifford, the senior class and, and kind of everybody involved. And the reason I think this game, uh, not only the fact that it's, you know, the, the granddaddy of them all, the most famous bowl game, you know, on the planet, I think a win here changes the narrative about this Penn state team in this Penn state season Everybody's saying like, you know, yeah, you went 10 and two and that is an accomplishment, but the best win is probably Purdue. I mean, it, 
frankly, it's either that or Minnesota or Maryland. And that's not the kind of, you know, signature win anybody's going to write home about. So if you go out there and you beat Utah in the Rose Bowl, it changes, I think, the way a lot of people view this season. And listen, I think Penn State's already going to finish the year ranked in the top 10 with a win. Um, But the fact that they can go out there and say, you know, we have this 11 win season, a top 10 finish. We finished the year beating at least one team currently ranked in the top 25, I think is going to be big just for the perception of this program. I mean, perception is everything in college football. And right now, Penn State is a very good team that had a very good season. I think with a win here, you can say it was a great team that had a great season. And Hmm. coming off of the last two years, I will I will be thrilled about that. And I think the last two years are the thing that informed. I, I think you could look at this game in one of two respects. You could look as at it as the end point of the last three seasons of Penn State football, this one and the two that preceded it, or you could view it as the starting point for the next two seasons of Penn State football, 2023, 2024, where the expectations are going to be a little bit higher. And I, I've, I've been thinking about this, and this is the converse, a conversation you and I had, Matt. You know, uh, our other Matt was involved in this. I think Nick might have still been asleep because he was on the West Coast. I think Craig might have popped in and out during it. But we were talking amongst ourselves about this. And for all the talk of how we want the future to look in the world of college football, the best way to have excitement around your future, the best way to make the future the sort of thing that gets fans really fired up, ready to go, gets the national discourse around you a little bit differently is to take care of business in the present. And when I think back on this season and all the talk of, we want to see this, we want to see this, we want to see the team have an eye on next year, blah, 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 blah. I don't think anything is more important to the success to kind of establish a baseline of success for the next couple of years than Penn State going out and winning this football game. And Sean Clifford won't be there to see that. Jair Brown won't be there to see that. P.J. Mustafer won't be there to see that. We've learned that guys like Parker Washington, uh, Brenton Strange, a couple others, won't Joey Porter Jr., won't be there to see that level of success moving forward. But I don't think – I think it's a lot easier to have an expectation of success – to have a thing that you could sell to fans, to recruits, to the all ACC cornerbacks that are looking to transfer out of the University of North Carolina types of kids. If you were able to say, look at what we are right now, look at what Penn State football is. And Matt, I don't know about you, but as much as this is an exhibition or whatever you want to describe it as, getting to go into the future with that in your back pocket, where you can say, we won the Rose Bowl, we won double digit games, we are fired up and ready to go heading into the future. I think this is as important as any snap that Nick Singleton gets, as any snap that insert promising young player gets here. This is just such a crucial thing when you think about the program and the big picture. Yeah, if, if you're not the kind of person who doesn't like a lot of hype around your team, if you like to lay under the radar, um, hope Penn State loses this game. The hype's already <laughs> starting for Penn State. The, the, the hype's already starting for Penn State in yeah. 2023. I mean, I, I will say it once and then I'll shut up. Window year is here. Um, and then I'm done talking about that. But 
Juice Scruggs came out, I think it was yesterday at time of recording or, or earlier this week, and he said, I think this team is a playoff team. Yeah. Um, Richard Johnson of Split Zone Duo came out and he said he's looking at adopting a Penn State posture, I think is the term he used, in 2023. Like, it's national media. It's guys in that locker room who understand that we're on the precipice of probably something really big and really impactful in, in the history of Penn State football. And if they win this game, they get to 11 wins, only two losses to two teams in the playoff. Um, I, I think we're going to see Penn State talked about a lot in a lot of very positive ways. Um and it's going to be a long, what is it, eight and a half, nine months between now and, and West Virginia 2023. But, I mean, Penn State's going to be talked about as one of the seven or eight best teams in the country if they win this game heading into 2023. And I like hype. I think I think this program should have some hype around it. It's going to be year 10 under James Franklin. And I think next year is as good a shot to be the year as we're going to see. Um so I just think it could be a really big springboard. Again, perception is everything. And this is the kind of game that really changes perception and, and takes it to a whole new level. Yeah. And I, we're, you and I are a little different in this regard. Cause like, I don't care ultimately about what, you know, people in the media say, I don't care about what, uh, I don't care about making sure that this year is used as a way for, uh, the Big Ten coaches in their preseason poll to go, maybe we should bump Katron Allen up from 30 to second. I don't care about any of that. But what I care about, it's something that mm-hmm. Theo Johnson said. Uh, I care about what those guys in that locker room think, what those coaches think, what recruits think, what guys who could potentially transfer think. And Theo Johnson said, uh, while meeting with the press uh, yesterday, that this week in this game is not going to be is going to be important not only for me, but for our program in general. And I think Penn State's team is going into this game with an understanding of we can use this. And this is the kind of thing that sticks with you for an entire offseason. You win the Rose Bowl. I I mean, you lose the Rose Bowl. I I was going to save this for a little bit later, but here's a quote from uh, Cole Bishop, a safety uh, Pac-12 honorable mention from Utah who played in last year's Rose Bowl where they lost 45 to Ohio State. Everyone's always saying that was such a good game, but on the defensive side, we played terrible. We gave up all those points, yards. That's all I've been thinking about, that we can't do again. Uh, Another safety, RJ Hubert, we have something to prove from last year. Our secondary didn't do as well as we wanted. Uh, We have something to prove. We have a chip on our shoulder. Like These kind of games stick with you. This game in particular, Mm -hmm. a game of this magnitude, sticks with you. And if you can go into the offseason, again, like – Love Alex Kirshner dearly. Love Bill Connolly dearly. Those kinds of guys. I appreciate what they think, but ultimately what those sorts of guys think doesn't matter as much as what that locker room thinks. And if that locker room, Matt, can go into this offseason, your chests are are a little more puffed out. You're maybe willing to say, I'm going to put in that extra rep in the weight room. You're maybe willing to say, hey, I'm going to go run routes with Drew for a few minutes. Maybe you're going to do this, this, this little bit extra knowing what the baseline is, knowing what the standard is that you helped set the year before, I think that is gigantic. And beyond all of that, I don't know about you, Matt. We'll get into, again, the preview in a sec. But the more that I think about this football game, this particular game, I'm just fascinated because I think Utah's awesome. I think they're an excellent football team. 
And I could legitimately see, you know, the, the four outcomes, Penn State, big win, Penn State, close win, Utah, close win, Utah, big win. I can see any of those four things playing out. I think this is going to be just, you step away from the pageantry, you step away from the future, you step away from all that stuff. Just in general, this is such a cool game. This is the best game of bowl season. I think magic it's, up, it's right I mean, up there outside of outside of maybe like Georgia, Ohio state, just because that's, that's all world athletes. I think this is the best um, pure matchup of the bowl mm-hmm. season. I think this one's going to be awesome. Yeah. And again, it comes with a Penn state team that the last time they came in the, went to the Rose bowl, they lost an all timer Utah. The last time they were in the Rose bowl, they got, they, their defense let records be set against them. We're, Obviously, no one on this Penn State team was uh, exactly important in participating in that last Rose Bowl, but they have the ghosts of the last couple of years chasing them. I cannot wait to sit and watch this football game. And before we sit down and do a little bit of a breakdown, we have a couple of bills to pay. And the way we do that, of course, is by thanking our sponsor, Homefield Apparel. If you're a college sports fan on the internet, you are surely aware of them. If you're not, Homefield premium collegiate apparel brand based out of Big Ten country, Indianapolis, Indiana. They're going to be rooting for Penn State. Did I ask them? No, I didn't. But they're just going to be doing that. I'm actually currently wearing a bit of home field apparel gear. Uh, Matt, because of some computer stuff we have going on, I can't see you. Do you have any home field apparel gear on right now? I do not. I'm wearing a Nittany Lions crew neck that I thrifted. Uh, My home field stuff, I haven't unpacked yet from my trip back home because I brought it all back home to wear around eastern Pennsylvania. Not Yeah, and I don't know about you, but whenever I wear home field stuff, stuff that has that unique Penn State twist to it, obviously this one's a little bit more generic, but it's still one of the comfiest hoodies I own. So I'll look at something like this shirt uh, right here, my We Are shirt. I always see an extra set of eyeballs or two on me. I see people who are interested in the designs because the shirts are comfortable. They're unique. And the designs they have are really cool. They're designed to make you feel a little bit closer to either your school or whatever other school you want. What's your, what's your roster of home field stuff other than just Penn state, Matt? Uh, Louisville, UC Irvine, Tulane. Um, I feel like there's one more. Um, I got my roommate a pit one. Cause he's a Pittsburgh guy. Um, we, I think that's we, all we, I have. Can we back I up like a second? UConn. I, I, have a, I have a sad Jonathan. What's uh, what's what's uh, what's the deal with that Louisville one? I didn't see that one coming. Oh, I have a Louisville um, Cardinal basketball one, specific one. Uh, as you know, my dad coached high yeah. school ball for a long, long, long time. Um, and he always, for some reason, had like a weird affinity for Louisville for a guy who like loved the big East as much as my dad does. Mm. Um, he always really liked Louisville. So I got that because he had like a really old one that was kind of similar. So it was to emulate him. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't particularly care for Louisville. So I'm fascinated that, uh, uh, then again, I spent money on an Ohio state thing for my girlfriend. So Glass houses, throw stones, all that. Anyway, Penn State's gear uh, line of gear with home field apparel, 15 pieces of apparel in all. If you are a new customer, use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase for 15% off of your first order. Doesn't have to be Penn State gear. It can be whatever you want. If for whatever reason you want to get Utah gear, go ahead and get some home field apparel Utah gear uh, to mark the... the my dad... Sorry, I'll wait till we're done with the ad. And then no, 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 go, 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 go ahead. My dad and my parents did a road trip around the um, like West Coast, like the mountainish area of the country this summer. And my dad bought a Utah hat. Mm. And despite the fact that he is married to and has two children who are Penn Staters, he's been wearing the Utah hat around just to like spite people. Um, and he's getting a really big he's getting a really big kick out of it. But 
he, he told me during the game he's going to go down uh, to a bar and he's going to wear a Penn State shirt and the Utah hat. And I've never been more infuriated in my life than I was when he told me that. Anyway, if you want to own Matt's dad uh, and you are a new customer, <laughs> use the promo code ROARLIONSROAR, one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. Thank you very much to Home Field Apparel for sponsoring this edition of the podcast. Matt, let's get back to talking about this game. And we'll do it the way we usually do. Break it down. Penn State's offense against Utah's defense and Utah's offense against Penn State's defense. Starting on the offensive side of the football for Penn State. Utah's defense, again, 21st in defensive SP+, 19th in total defense, 55th in passing defense, 15th in rushing defense, 22nd in scoring defense. They're really good on third down. They're really good on fourth down. They're really good at getting into the backfield, whether it's sacks or tackles for loss. I think when I look at this Utah team, even though they are not going to have first team all Pac-12 defensive back Clark Phillips playing at corner, I think this is a very, very good defense. And it's interesting because I feel like if you have watched Utah under Kyle Whittingham, you basically know what you're going to expect. Yeah, Whittingham is, I think, maybe the most underrated coach in the country. He's up there. I think because he spent he spent a lot of his career uh, with Utah as like a, I guess what at that time would have been known as like the G5, like that time's version of the G5 when Utah was in like the whack or whatever it was. Um, but he gets his dudes ready. They play a really physical style of football. Um, they never really have that game wrecker. Uh, the linebacker they had last year, Lloyd, was kind of that. But they really get everybody involved, especially up front. They, they're they well-schemed. They're well-coached. Uh, they know what gaps to fill. Mm-hmm. And it causes a lot of headaches. And, uh, again, I don't want to disrespect the Pac-12 because I actually really like Pac-12 football. Um, but it's not, it's not corn-fed midwestern boys like the big 10 um and i think that allows utah and their physical style of play to appear more dominant a lot of the time and i'm excited to see how that translates because i do think this utah front is really good and uh, this is the biggest test for penn state uh probably since ohio state up front so i'm excited to see what you know what utah really is in context of them going up against penn state uh, a team from the premier big boy conference in football, at least on, on the lines. Yeah. And you look at, obviously we have to mention last year's Rose bowl game where the issue that Utah had was slowing down a dominant Ohio state offense. It wasn't, it's not Ohio state's offense last year was much better than Penn state's offense this year. Very important to mention CJ Stroud, 37 for 46, 573 yards, six touchdowns and a pick average 12.5 yards per attempt to save target with Jackson Smith and Jigba 15, 347 and three Marvin Harrison jr. Also had six 71 and three. But despite that Ohio state also did some work on the ground, 20 carries for 110 yards, 5.5 yards per carry in what was a very close football game, 48, 45, the Buckeyes ended up winning that. And, you know, you heard those quotes a moment ago, Matt, and Ohio Ohio State's performance against them really seems like it is fresh in the minds of this Utah team. It is the sort of motivational thing that sticks with you for the entirety of a football season. What I will say, their defense is a little bit young. I'm going through their starting stars in their depth chart. It's redshirt, sophomore, sophomore, redshirt, freshman, sophomore on the defensive line in the linebacker spots, sophomore, senior, freshman. And then in the defensive backfield, junior, sophomore, senior, sophomore, 
freshmen again that does not include uh clark phillips who won't be playing in the game but they have another number of standout players uh across the defensive line defensive lineman uh junior tafuna was a second team all pack 12 player uh kareni reed he's a baller kareni reed another second team all pack 12 selection there's six Honorable mentions included a number of defensive players, Cole Bishop at safety, Jonah Ellis at sophomore, RJ Hubert at defensive back. Uh, and then their linebacker, uh, Lander Barton, a four-star recruit, top 100 kid in the class of 2022, was the Pac-12 defensive player, of a uh, defensive freshman of the year. And the thing that makes me so concerned about this Utah team, Matt, is that I watched that USC game. I watched how... Obviously, a big part of that was Caleb Williams' hamstring injury. Crucial in what ended up happening by the time the game ended. But I watched as Utah, eventually they were able to start getting home. I think this Utah defense is like a boxer, where they lean on you and lean on you and lean on you. And yeah, maybe you're going to be like USC and you're going to rush out to, I think it was a 17-3 to lead. But at a certain point, the dam's going to... They want the dam to break. They want you to get so exhausted going up against a defense that is skilled, that is physical, that is well-coached, that is all these things, and that's when the floodgates open. But having said that, one thing I noticed in the USC game was that USC had a ton of success in its downfield passing game even after Caleb Williams got hurt. Williams on the day, 28 for 41, 363 yards. 8.9 yards per attempt, three touchdowns and interception. You go through the receivers, their guys with multiple catches were 15, 15 and a half yards per attempt, 13, 17, 14, 10, 19. I think it is going to be crucial for one, Sean Clifford to play a very, very good mistake-free football game. You cannot give USC, uh, Utah more possessions than they want. And two, and more importantly, Parker Washington not playing in this game is big. But I think Penn State needs to have success with this downfield passing game with guys like Mitchell Tinsley, with grab bag of wide receivers, whoever wants to use this as a springboard into next year. And then with a tight end group that Brent Strange has announced he's not coming back next season, but Brent Strange, Tyler Warren, Theo Johnson. Yeah, uh, it's interesting to me because losing Parker is maybe the, the biggest loss for Penn State in the Rose Bowl. Porter's great, but I think King, I think Dixon, I think Hardy, I think enough guys are there to be able to make plays. So if Penn State is not able to find that second receiver, I I don't know if they're able to attack them downfield. This isn't a Penn State team that's built like Ohio State or built like USC that can stretch the field like that. If they're going to get big plays in the passing game, it's going to be on short little dink passes to Theo Johnson, to Brenton Strange, to Tinsley, you know, to the running backs. So that's one thing where I'm a bit concerned. I think that Utah is going to try to force Sean Clifford to beat them. And that's, that's a fair strategy. I, I get why they would do it. And, Again, without Parker Washington, I'm a bit nervous that there's not enough guys for Sean Clifford to get the ball to downfield for that strategy to not work. I think that's fair. I mean, I look at a game like the Minnesota game, and obviously I don't think Penn State's going to win this game 45 to 17. Nothing like that. But it'd be cool if it did. It would be really cool if Penn State won the Rose Bowl for it. I want to go on the record. I don't want there to be any confusion here. I would like it if Penn State won by a lot. 
Anyway, I look at a game like that and I look at how Penn State was able to have some success down the field with Theo Johnson in particular. Parker Washington mm-hmm. another, had another really good game. He's a little bit, you know, he's not going to be participating in this one. Theo Johnson, five catches for 75 yards and a score. Tyler Warren, one catch for 38 yards. Uh, Penn State was able to consistently take throws down the field. I think Nick Singleton and Katron Allen are going to have a little bit of trouble running the football in this game. I don't even want to say, well, I think they're going to have a lot of bit of trouble running this, running the ball in this football game because Utah is just really good at keeping you from running the football. Having said that, if Penn State's able to get that passing, you know, we talk all the, James Franklin talks all the time about complimentary football. Throw the, run the ball to set up your play action game to throw the ball, blah, 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 blah. I think this has to be the other way around. I think Penn State's going to need to get Utah backing up a little bit and getting Singleton and Allen. Okay, now you guys could take off a little bit down the field. Now you're going to have a little bit more room to roam because, again, a part of this game that concerns me, Utah is 10th nationally in third down defense. Opponents convert 29.6% of their third downs against them. Utah's That's crazy. 18th in fourth down defense. Opponents convert 40.7% of their third down, fourth downs against them. Penn State, Penn State's offense is like insane on third down. I regret not having the number up here, but neither here nor there. I am looking for someone to kind of grab this opportunity to get going down the field against a talented deep secondary, but one that we have seen get beaten in big games in the past. I mean, you look at Utah's other games this year, Florida, that's that's another thing. All of Utah's, all their losses came on the road. Lost to Florida, lost to UCLA, mm-hmm. lost to UCLA in the Rose Bowl, lost to Oregon. All of those were road games. This is going to be a neutral site game. I think Penn State fans are going to have to bring a little bit of extra juice for that one. But Bo Nix had a little bit of success throwing the ball to Dante Thornton of all people. Uh, Bo Nix threw for 287 yards, was able to, Again, beat that Utah secondary. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, you know, Zach Charbonnet had a killer game, 22 carries, 198 yards and a score. DTR, 18 for 23, 299 yards and four touchdowns. Caleb Williams, again, was, he had 8.9 yards per attempt. Utah's, uh, USC's rushing attack had 2.1 yards per attempt. And that included a 59. If you take out the 59-yard run that Caleb Williams had, that I'm sure we all remember from that game, USC ran for negative three yards. And again, a big portion of that was because Williams just couldn't move by a certain point. But right. this is going to be a game where we see Penn State's passing attack, Matt. And I think this is going to be an opportunity if Sean Clifford is able to take this opportunity, if these pass catchers are able to take this opportunity for Penn State's ability to throw the football to kind of be on display as, you know, all the talks have been about the freshman running backs. I completely get that. Let's send Sean Clifford. Let's send Brenton Strange. Let's send the rest of the guys off with this really high note. I want Clifford to end his career in the best way possible. Um, And I think that's an efficient game. I think it's a turnover free game. And I think it's a game that he, how do I want to word this? Because you can't rely on the running game here. I think you can rely on Catron Allen to get you four yards more often than not. But I don't think you're going to be able to find the big plays that Singleton has made a name for himself on. Yes. And to beat Utah, you just rattled off all those numbers and all those names. Those are big play dudes with big play potential. I don't think Sean Clifford is the kind of quarterback who 
you know, can match Caleb Williams, can match DTR. Exactly. Maybe DTR, but I, I think DTR is a bit of a better player. So for Clifford to be able to forge his own path, and, and frankly, it's a path we haven't seen work against Utah this year, his best shot to go out with a win is to take as much off of his plate as he can. And again, that's where I think you mentioned Theo Johnson. That's where I think he comes in. I have been calling for the Theo Johnson breakout season um, as 2023 all season long. He missed some time early, which I think made him take a step back. But I think this is the kind of game where Theo Johnson can put up Jackson Smith and Jigba numbers relative to his position, relative to his position in this game, relative to his position. I think he's going to be that important for what this team can be. And Again, I think that's going to be a lot of quick passes for Clifford. I think it's going to be a lot of finding ways to get Johnson and Strange and Warren in one-on-one coverage against linebackers. And if they can do that, I like Penn State's odds. Um, And again, I just want Clifford to have a mistake-free game, and I want him to be able to kind of put it in cruise control and for it to come easily for him. I doubt that will happen, but... You know, some of his pass catchers and his complimentary pieces have to step up to make sure that's possible. Yeah, and I think it's worth mentioning uh, a couple of things. One, uh, Franklin has mentioned he'd like it if Olu Fushanu is able to play. I think some people on the beat uh, who went to open practice on Thursday uh, said they didn't see Fushanu out there. It makes sense, you know, for all the talk about how important your present is to set up your future. It makes sense if Olu Fushanu isn't at 100%, you just go in and play. Uh, I don't think he's playing. Yeah, I, I I would probably guess that too, just just by reading tea leaves. We don't know anything. Uh, also, but, um, the, the program released an interview today with Drew Shelton, um, yes. and I don't know if you interview a backup true freshman offensive tackle if he wasn't going to play. Um, so that that's my other tea leaf that I'm reading. Yeah, I I, uh, I think that's a I think it's very reasonable. But uh, having said that. Uh, it was reported during open practice that both Kayvon Lee and Caden Wallace were out there and practicing. Uh, Wallace hasn't played in a minute due to injuries. Lee, same thing with him. And I don't think either of those guys, you'll get the backfield. I don't think, I think Kayvon Lee is going to get a little bit of run. I think he's going to be a good guy to say, here's the football fall forward. I think, he could do that well. He's good in pass protection. He's a good pass catcher, those sorts of things. I think that adds a little bit of a dimension to the offense. Then along the offensive line, I mean, I'm not optimistic, even though I think Penn State's offensive line is much improved this year. I think this is a really tough and physical Utah front. It's a really good test to see how far they have come from the Michigan game, I think. Yes. Because they got Agreed. pushed around quite a bit, and that was with Olu in there. I'm worried. I'm a little bit worried about Shelton and whatever they're going to get out of him or Bryce after whoever they decide to put at that left tackle spot, assuming Wallace is able to play, but we'll see what Penn state's able to do. I will say that I think getting Caden Wallace back, even though up and down this year, I think that's an improvement uh, along the offensive line. Uh, As for the running backs, if Penn state can average three and a half or four yards per carry in this game, I'm going to be ecstatic. Like I, I think very highly of Utah's defense uh, you look at that Oregon game, uh, Utah, U- Utah got gashed a little bit against Florida. That'll happen with Anthony Richardson, Montreal Johnson, those kinds of guys got gashed by UCLA. Chip Kelly's over there designing a running offense. 
I'm I'm going to take the Chip Kelly design offense. But you look at the Oregon game, Oregon ran the ball 25 times for 59 yards, 2.4 yards per attempt. Again, we met, read the numbers off about USC and how tough things were for them. I think if Penn State's running game, Matt, can be, I don't want to say good or great. I want to say reliable. If Penn State's running game could be the kind of running game where you're handing it off on first and 10 and you're getting three or four yards and you're not putting yourself in the position that we've seen Penn State teams in the past put themselves in, I think that's going to be gigantic. If this turns into a Sean Clifford air raid game, I, I'm going to be concerned. Even though I you know, I think Clifford's going to do a good job rising to the moment in this one, uh, I'm going to be very concerned. If Penn State can get to three and a half yards per carry, I'll feel good. That's not great. Um, and that's about what they averaged the entirety of last season. Um, and I think that highly of Utah's defense, uh, that, that they're going to be able to shut them down pretty good. And that, and that's also, I mean, obviously in college, you factor in sacks. Um, but if they can end the game at a three and a half yard, um, average per carry, I, I think that's a win. Let's move to the other side of the football, because this is going to be fascinating. Uh, Penn State, rock. Penn State's going into this game without Joey Porter Jr., but otherwise has its full complement of players on the defensive side of the football. Uh, they had two first-team all-offensive players in the Pac-12, Dalton Kincaid, their tight end, who's not playing, which, like, asterisk, highlight, italicized bowl, whatever you want to say, that is gigantic for them. Uh, offensive line in Braden Daniels was the other first team option for them. He plays uh, Richard Jr. over at left tackle. Uh, no second team picks and honorable mentions. Uh, quarterback Cam Rising and wide receiver Devon Vele uh, were guys who had really good years. Rising is awesome. Rising is basically what happens if you had Trace McSorley play under center. He rules. Uh <laughs> But having said that, I'm going to read off some numbers about Utah's offense, Matt, and I think this is going to surprise you. Again, 22nd in offensive SP+. Okay. They are 16th in total offense, 46th in passing offense, 10th in rushing offense, and 7th in scoring offense. They, in, they are 8th in third down percentage. Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. 7th in scoring? Yep. We're, we're going to keep going here, brother. 8th wow. in third down percentage. They convert 49.7% of their third downs. They convert 63 Good running team. Makes sense. 63% of their fourth downs, which is 23rd nationally. They have only allowed nine sacks. They are 7th in tackles for loss allowed. This is an off. They do have some issues. They're you know, really good at not committing penalties. They have some issues with turnovers. 44th nationally in turnovers committed. 8 interceptions and 8 fumbles. Red zone offense is weird. They are 71st in red zone scoring percentage, 50 touchdowns in 70 attempts. There are two ways to look at that. 50 touchdowns is the second most in America. Their 70 attempts uh, times getting into the red zone are the third most in America. So they're good at getting down into the end zone. They punch it in a lot, but they're also a little bit prone to leaving points on the field. And you look at their recent games. Again, those games that were losses – it was not due to their offense. Obviously, they tore up USC's defense, 533 total yards and 47 points. You go to the Florida game, while they only scored 26 points, they had 446 yards, 216 passing, 230 rushing. You go to the UCLA game, 479 total yards, 
287 passing, 192 rushing, 32 points. Oregon game kind of got away from them, but still 326 total yards. Passing game wasn't really them for them. Rising had a bad game. Three of his eight interceptions were in that one. They still ran for 156 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. So I say all of that to you, Matt, to say this. I don't think this Utah offense is going to lose them this game. I don't think they are going to make the kinds of mistakes that cause a team to lose a football. I just don't think they're going to make many mistakes on their own, which means I think Penn State's defense needs to be able to find a little bit of an extra level if they are going to compete in this game. Kincaid not playing, again, gigantic in this regard. We'll talk about him and yes. their pass catchers in a second. But when I look up and down this Utah def- offense, I see an offense that is, I don't want to say similar to Michigan. I, because I think Michigan's offense is just straight up better. But I think this is probably in terms of doing the stuff that Michigan was able to do against Penn State this is going to be the best test Penn State has had since that game. And this is where uh, this is where Abdul Carter gets to come out on a national stage. Um, uh, yeah. He's a guy who can cover up a lot of sins. He is that talented of a linebacker already. Um, and I, I think that it is – this is the kind of offense that if you get a chance to make a big play, you better not miss. If that ball is a chance, if you, there's a chance to pick off a ball, you better catch it. If that ball's on the turf, you better fall on it. If you have a chance to bring a guy down behind the line of scrimmage, you make sure you get his knee down. And on that last point, Abdul Carter's a guy who has consistently brought guys down behind the line of scrimmage, and he's not a guy who was ready for that against Michigan. And I think number 11 is such a talented football player that just him being out there can change the trajectory um, of a team and of a defense. So he's a guy I think is going to be the most important player. Again, I don't think Penn State's defensive front is built to stop these kind of teams because I Izzard is very thin. Um, and outside of that, the backup guys like Devon Ellis and Jordan Vandenberg and Zane Durant are all still figuring that position out, I think, for lack mm-hmm. of a better term. So Abdul Carter, if you want to, if Abdul Carter wants to have the Micah Parsons level of hype, he has to have 10 tackles and I think he can do it. I think he will do it. Um, and if he doesn't, I think this could get ugly um, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. And I also think that I'm going, I'm going to point to Utah's games against USC is a really good example of don't think that if Penn state gets off to a good start, that's going to be it because kind of like their mm-hmm. defense This Utah offense is like a big heavyweight boxer that uses those opening rounds, going to throw a few body blows, going to lean on you a bit, going to make you work to win rounds. And that's a concern because when you, even if Penn State wins the opening round or two, Penn State wins the first couple of quarters of this football game, it runs the risk of running really tired. You look to those USC games, USC went up 21 to 7. At the beginning of the first quarter, uh, beginning of the second quarter, they got up to 28 to 14 right before halftime. Utah was able to score, make some stuff happen. You look at the other game uh, between Utah and USC. Again, this has the caveat of Caleb Williams getting hurt. USC got up 17 right. to three, and it did not look like Utah had any chance. But Utah just kept leaning, 
kept fighting, kept wearing this defense down a little bit, and they were eventually able to pull away and pick up a win. The other game they uh, scored with 48 seconds left. They were able to pick up a pick up a win that way on what ended up being two fourth quarter drives, one 10 plays 79 yards, one 15 plays 75 yards. So that's what you can expect as the game goes on. All of that is to say this it I, I think they have a really good running attack. Tavion Thomas, yep. 4.8 yards per carry, seven touchdowns. Micah Bernard, five yards per carry, four touchdowns. Jaquindon Jackson, 6.9 yards per carry, eight touchdowns. Cam Rising, six yards per carry, six touchdowns. Jalen Glover, 4.6 yards per carry, four touchdowns. They get a lot of guys involved. They keep a lot of guys fresh. Mm-hmm. What I'm going to say, though, is I think this is where you have to hope that Penn State has maybe a little more depth that they might not have had in a game against Michigan right now. So you look, if Penn State's going to go out there with Nick Tarbert and P.J. Mustafer, Hakeem Beeman, Adisa Isaac as a starting offensive line, Tyler Elston, Curtis Jacob, Abdul Carter as its starting linebackers, we'll leave the secondary for another second because I think the rushing game uh, is the important thing here. Penn State has, it seems, two guys at backups at linebacker. Again, assuming it's Sutherland, Elston, Jacobs, and Kobe King and Abdul Carter they trust. Along the defensive line, they have a guy like Chop Robinson, Devon Ellis, Koziah Izzard, Denai Dennis Sutton. You don't want to put too much on a guy like Smith Filbert. Smith Filbert is going to be back in this game. Penn State. I'm excited for that. Yeah, Good for same. Smith. And Penn, what it, all this is to say, Penn State's going to need to keep its dudes in that front seven fresh and ready to go, knowing that that fourth quarter in this game has the potential to turn into a war. This entire second half has the potential to turn into a war. You're going to be sore. You're going to be tired. Rising is really good at dropping back, looking around, evading a bit of pressure, and then just lowering his shoulder into a dude as he runs for six yards on third and four. You have to be prepared for that stuff. And I don't think it's going to be totally like the Minnesota. I think it would be pretty irresponsible to be totally like the Minnesota game where Penn State goes out there and says, we're selling out completely against the run. You have to beat us by throwing the football. But I wouldn't be stunned if kind of that spirit was back where they're going to say, first and foremost, we have to stop them from running the football and anything that that they get down the field, they're going to get that down the field. We just have to live with that. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't compare it to Minnesota and not call out the game Curtis Jacobs had against Minnesota. Um, And I I just made that whole soapbox speech about Abdul Carter. Um, Abdul Carter's on a lot more radars now than he was even back to Minnesota. Um, And I think that they can, Utah has to be more aware of Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs is a NFL talent in his own right. And I think, you know, assuming that the focus is maybe more on Carter, I think Jacobs can go out there and have another big game himself. Uh, and that would be awesome to see because he's a guy I think, um, you know, should he come back next year, could perform at all Big Ten caliber levels. And this would be a great launching point for him uh, for, in that regard. Yeah. And then to move to Utah's passing game a little bit, I think it's going to be really hard to get to rising and take him down again. Eight total. Yes. He has taken eight sacks in total this season. That's a really good offensive line that Utah has up there. Rising is really good at avoiding. Again, if Trace McSorley played under center, I think you would end up looking a lot like him rising. Rising on the year, 364 attempts, 2,939 yards for 66.2% completion, 8.1 yards per attempt, 25 touchdowns against seven interceptions. So a little thrown, prone to giving the ball to the other team. Where this game gets big for Penn State is that Devon Valley is a good wide receiver. 
on the season, 50 catches, 595 yards, five touchdowns. Other than that, Utah does not have a wide receiver who has caught more than two touchdowns on the season. Utah is an offense that is very dependent, like Penn State, on its tight ends. Dalton Kincaid, Mm -hmm. one of the best in the country. 70 receptions, 890 yards, eight touchdowns. He's going to the NFL. He is not going to be playing in this game. The guys who are going to step into his spot, Thomas Yasmin, 12 receptions, 300 yards, five touchdowns. Brant Kuth, 19 receptions, 206 yards, three touchdowns. Between those guys, the eight for Kincaid, the five for Yasmin, the three for Kuth, that is 16 of the 29 touchdowns they have in their passing game this season. All of that is to say, Matt, I think that Penn State, and this might be famous last words, I think Penn State is going to be fine going up against this Utah passing attack if they could take Veli out of the game. And I I put my full trust in a guy like Kalen King to be able to go out and do that. Yeah, this is a big game um, for Kalen King and then more so for Johnny Dixon or Marquise Wilson yeah. or Daquan Hardy, whoever they go with opposite of him. Uh, I trust Kalen King to shut it down. He's the most underrated defensive player in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Um, and for a receiver um, who is clearly the primary option, uh, I think that that's a guy that King can eliminate um, or not eliminate, but slow down at, at a pretty good pace. And then it's on that group. I just mentioned to shut down what other, other, whatever other options they have. And as for tight ends, uh, Jair Brown's outstanding in coverage. Uh, I think if they try to attack the middle of the field, that combination of Jair Brown, Keaton Ellis, Jalen Reed, Zaki Wheatley, KJ Winston, um, they're going to be able to do a good job mm-hmm. slowing down a backup. And that's no disrespect to, to Utah's tight ends, but Kincaid's a different beast and will be a probably like day two pick for a reason. Yeah. Um, very few tight ends are, are day two picks and Kincaid is a, is a bona fide one. So I think this secondary can have a big game. Uh, I do think if the secondary is going to make a really big impact, it's going to be stopping the run and flying around and, and trying to make plays uh, at that second level, as opposed to at that third level, just by nature of how Utah mm-hmm. wants to, wants to run their offense. And let me tell you this, the most important thing with Dalton Kincaid is that I have him in my dynasty fantasy league and I need him to blow up over the next couple of seasons. So uh, in that regard, I'm upset that he's not playing in this game because I would like to see him blow up. But in another regard, I'm really happy he's not playing in this game because if he got hurt in the Rose bowl, that would hurt my fantasy team considerably. Uh, let's move Matt to talking about the players in this game. Well, ju- just for Penn State that you are keeping your closest mm-hmm. eye on. I'll, I'll I'll put the limit on you. One on offense, one on defense. Who are the guys who you think are – they have to have big games if Penn State wants to go out and win this? Um. Okay. I've given a lot of thought to this. I'm going to go with Caden Wallace slash – I'm cheating and I acknowledge it, Drew Shelton. It just um, – I, I, th- I think it's fair if you want to say the tackles. Yeah, the, the tackles. Um, Olu's back. Olu's your starter. Right tackle's a competition between an experienced guy in Caden Wallace and a really promising true freshman who will be a sophomore um, in Drew Shelton. Mm-hmm. If those dudes 
I think whoever outplays the other in this game, assuming they both start, has the inside track to be in your starting right tackle in 2023. So I'll be watching that all afternoon, just by nature of how physical those Utah edge rushers are going to be, how complex that defense is, which one of those two is more ready to handle that sets them up, I think, on the inside track for 2023. And then defensively, I'm going to have to go with Kobe King. It feels like Kobe Mm -hmm. King is figuring it out, and he's gotten a lot better lately. And Penn State's middle linebacker for a long time was a guy in Ellis Brooks who I was unbelievably high on because I think Brooks did a lot of little things that allowed guys like Micah Parsons to blow up. Um, And I think Kobe King can be that kind of player, that kind of guy who knows his role really well, and it allows Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs to go out there and fly around. So I want to see Kobe King play a mistake-free game. Uh, Utah's going to run a lot behind the centers and the guards, and that's Kobe King territory. So I think he can kind of cement himself as that, you know, guy who will get the majority of the reps at middle linebacker in 23 because you know there's not going to be a a verified middle linebacker one between Elson and King I think it's going to be a platoon but who gets the majority of reps in that platoon I think can be decided um or at least somewhere to tackle can some guy can get an inside track and I think Kobe King is the guy who will take advantage of that yeah I mean on the offensive side of the football I'm going to go with Mitchell Tinsley And I'm going to go with Mitchell Tinsley because I think for all the talk about Penn State's tight ends, I think having – being able to take advantage of the fact that the other teams all conference – potential all-American, potential first-round NFL draft pick cornerback not playing is like gigantic. If Penn State is able to do that, I think that is going to open up things for everyone else in the passing game. I think it's going to open up things for Penn State's running back. I think it's going to make life a lot easier on Sean Clifford. It's going to make life a lot easier on Mike Yersich as a play caller. And I think this is an opportunity mm-hmm. for Mitchell Tinsley to kind of get back to that uh, that Western Kentucky Mitchell Tinsley, the guy who was attacking defenses down the field, making plays down the field, using his size and physicality and ability to make contested catches against guys who are just not as good as the guy who would under normal circumstances be checking into this game. So I'm going to keep in a really close eye on Mitchell Tinsley. And then on the other side of the football, I was also going to say Kalen King, but just for the, Ooh. just for the sake of our, our Kobe King, I'm sorry. Uh, but just for the sake of argument, I'll change that up. And I will say, I'm looking right at a guy like a Brown. I think Penn state, one concern that I have with the running game, with Utah's running game, is yes, grinding out four, five, six, seven yards. But what happens once Penn State's defense starts getting a little bit tired and those turn into eight, nine, 10 yard carries? I think having a guy like Jire Brown, who's able to come up into the box, sniff out danger before it pops up and make plays that way, in addition to whatever covering of tight ends he is going to need to do is going to be gigantic in this football game because if Penn, again, if Penn State is not able to get off of the field, if Penn State's defense is going to be tired, exhausted, worn down by the time the fourth quarter rolls around in this game, they have no chance of winning it, I don't think. So those are two two guys who I'm going to be watching really closely in this game. Uh, Las Vegas is keeping a really close eye on this one. Uh, Utah's I believe Penn State opened as a slight favorite and enough money has come in that Utah's now two and a half point favorites over under in this game. It's 52 and a half FPI has Penn has a too Utah, high. 
yeah, FPI has Utah as a 57.4% chance of winning this game. Penn State at 42.6%. SP Plus, uh, with the understanding that Bill C. ran these numbers before opt-outs started happening, had Penn State winning this game 27 to 26. Uh, that would mean the that would actually mean I believe, yeah, the over would hit exactly and Penn State would cover the spread. Uh, Matt, I truly have no idea what's going to happen in this football game. What say you? Okay, I think I think Utah is a better football team than Penn State in the year 2022. With that being said, I think that statement is only true with Clark Phillips and Dalton Kincaid. I think that highly of those two dudes. Phillips is a first round pick. Kincaid is a day two pick as a tight end, which is kind of the equivalent of a first round pick for that position. Um, I think with those two guys out, I'm going to lean Penn state 24 to 21 with Jake Pinnaker ending his career on a very, very, very high note and kicking a game winning chip shot um, in a kind of a very reminiscent to Penn state USC back in 2017. Mm, okay. Interesting. I, uh, uh, that, that is very much my preference. I'm actually going to pick utah here and it's because i think their physical I, I just think that highly of their physicality uh i think that is something that has given penn state some trouble at points this season you looked at the michigan game you looked at the ohio state game uh oh, those teams were just able to be bigger and stronger than penn state and i think that ended up weighing on Penn State a bit. The Minnesota game was I think a little bit different because of the whiteout, because of the quarterback situation, all that sort of thing. So I am going to go with Utah in this game. I think this is a I would just say I think they are a more well-rounded team than Penn State. I would really like it if Penn State wins this game to be clear, but I think Utah is something like 31 to 24. Something where Penn State, I think, just runs out of gas. But having said that, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think anything is possible in this game. Any of the the mm-hmm. four outcomes are possible in this game. I think there's going to be an excellent Rose Bowl. I think it's going to be a to- – it, it's a game where, again, I have no idea what's going to happen. It, and that's the exact kind of football game I think you want in bowl season, a unique matchup between two teams that yep. have never played before in this kind of environment and you have no clue no inclination of what is going to happen i'm excited for it i hope everyone else is excited for it uh and then one last little order of business before we end up leaving uh penn state went out and got themselves a really good football player uh in the world of uh the transfer portal still waiting on potentially go out get a wide receiver potentially go get some help to feel i think franklin has mentioned wide receiver office tackle maybe running back as positions where they want to get a couple more guys in but they went out and got themselves a really good cornerback in storm duck from uh the university of north carolina second team all conference dude played uh, immediately as a freshman for unc a really good football player matt and someone who with Joey Porter Jr. moving on, I think this is a gigantic, gigantic addition to continue a stand. Again, we talked about standards being set. Continue the standard that has been set in Penn State's defensive backfield. Uh, first of all, Storm Duck. Great name. Um, as always, Storm Duck. Unbelievable. Um, I'm not going to like lie through my teeth and say that anything involving the UNC defense in 2022 was good. Um, I think Storm Duck will benefit greatly from getting out of that system and playing alongside Kalen King 
Johnny Dixon, Daquan Hardy, Marquise Wilson, if he comes back. Um, I think he's a guy who will benefit greatly from a change of scenery. And I hope that Storm Duck is is very successful because the, with a name like that, he deserves to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I'm going to be uh, very forgiving of anyone who played in a Gene Chizik defense in 2022. I don't necessarily think they were put in positions to succeed, but Duck, right around 6'1", 200 pounds, nice long arms. Uh, big dude. Big dude, and... You know, Matt, we've talked a lot about setting standards, about wanting to get guys of a specific caliber. I think going out and getting a guy like this is the latest example of that. And I think it's validation of Terry Smith. I I think Terry Smith is one of the Mm -hmm. best cornerback coaches in the country. He's proven that time and time again, where he's taking these three and these four star recruiting, you know, the case of Daquan Hardy, a guy who wasn't even in the top 1000 and turning them into college football players, guys who can go to the NFL, you know, for all the talk about uh, Joey Porter jr. And how great uh, of a football lineage he has, he was a number 324 recruit in the country coming out of school by 24 sevens composite rating. I think he might've been a three-star recruit in a couple of places. Kalen King, a guy that we love, a guy we think, you know, from the time he was in college, high school, it seemed like he was going to be a stud. 222 nationally, a really good recruit, but not considered to be the no doubt NFL kind of guy uh, coming into a program. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Terry Smith over the years. He'll develop, he'll recruit, and he will do all these sorts of things. And I, again, I think this is just validation that Penn State has in a guy who has been with James Franklin since day one, one of the best dudes in the country and building up a, def- a cornerback room that, the best talents in America want to play in. Agreed. He's a guy who uh, I think is invaluable to this staff and, and maybe the most assistant coach um, James Franklin has had outside of Joe Moorhead. The most, ass- the best assistant coach or the most assistant coach? Sorry. Most important. Most important. Okay. Sorry. Most important assistant coach. Sorry. I was going to say, what the hell's a most assistant coach? That's a uh... most important assistant okay. coach he's had outside of Moorhead. There we go. Well, I think that's as good of a note as any to end this episode of the podcast on Matt. Any final things you want to say before Penn State heads to the, you know, heads into the granddaddy of them all? Um, enjoy the game. This is the last um, Penn State football game we get until uh, until Labor Day weekend. So uh, enjoy it. It's been a very fun season, um, and I am going to be insufferable uh, if they win this game with the hype train heading into 2023. Bill already knows how insufferable I can be about it, the hype. It, it so I'm excited to share that with our listeners. Yeah, and we want to thank everyone. You know, season is wrapped up, but thank you for listening to us throughout this entire season. We hope to have some fun stuff. Uh, plan in the offseason. We hope to have a really fun pod plan next week where we're talking about Penn State winning the Rose Bowl, <laughs> obviously. Uh, and yeah, if you're going to the game, have an awesome time. It is, there is nothing in sports. Yes. There is nothing in sports, not college football, in sports like the Rose Bowl. I'm very jealous of everyone who is making the trip out there. Be loud, be proud. Uh, like we mentioned, Utah has only lost road games this year. Put that in the back of your heads. Utah. Lost the Rose Bowl last year. Put that into the back of your heads. And yeah, have a great time watching wherever you're going to be watching. Enjoy everything. I'm going to have a good time watching this, even though I'm a little bit skeptical about Penn State's chances. Neither here nor there. As always, make sure you're following us. Excuse me. Wherever you go and get your podcast, if you use Apple Podcasts, please go leave us a five-star review. If you use Spotify, go leave us a uh, – if you use Spotify, please go leave us a five-star rating over there. 
make if you need to see all the places we are, head to our Twitter bio and look at the link tree link. You can get anything you want over there. And while you're over there, make sure you're following us on Twitter at RLR blog. And one last time, I want to give a shout out to Homefield Apparel for sponsoring the podcast. Again, if you this is your first ever order with Homefield, use the promo code Roar Lions Roar, one word, all uppercase, for 15% off of your first order. One last time, thank you everyone for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Roar from my co-host Matt Filipovitz. I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Go State.